Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard It's a bird, it's a plane, it's episode number 81 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most heroic Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly and joining me as usual is the caped crusader, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I'm pretty good. I, I don't know how much I love you referring to me as a cape crusader, but that's okay. Why? Why is that? What's wrong with a cape? A cape I, seems comfortable. No, stylish. I'm not a huge. I mean, uh, whatever. I I think capes are corny. I know it's one of the superhero things I never quite understood. Is it not punk enough for you, Liam? Not wearing a cape is a very punk thing to do. No, I I'm into comfort. Actually, I feel like a cape might be a very punk thing to do if you did it the right way, but. I just I don't understand the purpose. I don't know what the service, you know, what what is the purpose of the cape? Well, I think there's an intimidation factor. There's also the fact that it makes it very visible, right? I mean, certainly you would want to be visible and intimidating as a super heroic person. I don't see how it it's intimidating. I guess Liam, a- ch- Liam, Liam, changing the topic slightly. You were late for tonight's episode. Oh. What's that all about? <laughs> uh you know, my wonderful wife had a meeting and I was getting the baby down and uh, trying to make coffee and trying to get the house in order. And I just needed some time and I wasn't ready when I needed to be. Right. Because, you know, I book the guests for this show and <laughs> I, I find it a little embarrassing to have to sit there with them as we wait for you to be on time for an episode. Well, I mean, you have my phone number. You could have just checked in with me. I want honestly. I didn't want to check in because I was worried that there was some sort of emergency, <laughs> and you just didn't and want it now. Absolutely, <laughs> Liam. I hate the idea of something wrong with you. Yo, man. I'm. I, I, here's the thing. All right, I, shut up. Oh. Shut up. T- today's guest is a writer of plays, novels, films, and comic books. He's also a uh, one of the hosts of the Space Between podcast. Let's welcome Pat Shan to the show. How you doing today, Pat? I'm doing well. How are you, Pat? How did it feel? To sit through that opening while <laughs> Liam and I, we went back and forth. We were sniping at each other a little bit. It's true. You know, I feel um, I feel like I know you guys well through your conversations now. Yeah, well, that's it. it we have a – I don't know how you would uh, describe our relationship. It's very loving but quite combative. Would you agree with that, Liam? I hate you. Yeah, I was speaking to Pat before we started recording. I had plenty of time to do that because Liam was so late. Uh, <laughs> and Pat told me that until uh, we asked him to be on the show, he didn't have a strong awareness of Eric Roberts. So I imagine, Pat, since that was a little while ago now, that you have now become an expert on Eric Roberts, the actor. Is that correct? It's true. You know, I've uh, found that he <laughs> is um, a large, yellow extraterrestrial. Uh-huh. And um, that's about where I am now, yeah. You know, about a year ago, Liam and I were on stage with Eric Roberts, the actor, doing a live interview with him. And I can confirm he is a jaundiced uh, uh, extraterrestrial gentleman. Uh, <laughs> at least he acted that way a little bit. <laughs> but hey, I actually, kid. Speaking of the word jaundiced, uh, I'm just going to say this now before I forget. There is a line in the episode that we'll discuss where a giant yellow alien calls someone else jaundiced. And I'm like, how dare you, sir? Do not see yourself. <laughs> 
He was the pot calling the kettle black. But Pat, you are not very familiar with the uh, life and work of actor Eric Roberts. I am not, no. Well, I can tell you, there are 80 episodes of of a podcast that you can listen to, which will make you more than familiar with him. But outside (laughs) of that, do you have a love for the filmic arts? I know you've written for film. What kind of movies do you most enjoy? You know, um, I kind of enjoy everything. Um, I I grew up more on horror films, um, but I'm super into uh, comedies, some indie thriller type stuff. And uh, yeah, pretty much anything that I see that looks good, I'll give it a try. I, I have no specific genre that I kind of lean toward. That, uh, that's refreshing to hear. Now, Pat, you write for comic books. Is that correct? That is correct. Now, how did you get into doing that? Uh, actually, through watching TV. Um, what? Big, it's true, yeah. I was a big fan of uh, Buffy and Angel. And mm-hmm. um, there was one day where I was at a Borders and I saw um, James Marsters as the iconic Spike on a magazine mm-hmm. cover. And uh, I picked it up and discovered that uh, Joss Whedon, the creator of Buffy, was going to continue his work on the series through comics. And um, I-, I hadn't read comics in years, you know. I, sure. As a kid, I had a, a little shoebox of comics, you know, but I, I didn't I-, I didn't love the, the uh, medium. But um, I began to, in preparation for the coming Buffy comics, explore what was going on in comics now. And then in my early 20s, I did fall in love. Um, And I began to do reviews of comics on my blog. And eventually, uh, my first gig uh, was writing the Angel comic. Uh, That that was the Buffy spinoff. And from there, I just kind of uh, kept using that as a sample of my writing to get gigs. And uh, I've been working ever since. Now you've uh, you've worked with a number of original characters, uh, both in in kind of uh, monthly or or semi monthly comic form, but also in graphic novels. But you've also written uh, novels, traditional style novels that are adaptations of famous characters. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, I wrote uh, some charmed novels that that have yet to come out. But my uh, primary uh, work in prose has been the the Marvel characters. I wrote uh, four. Marvel novels last year, all brand new stories that focused on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Avengers, Iron Man, and Thor. So since you are an expert in the Marvel Universe, how apt that we are now talking about the DC Universe on this episode (laughs) of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. We're going to talk about some actually, I think, very impressive cartoons. I love the uh, animated DC Universe, starting with Batman the Animated Series in the 1990s. We're going to get into that, that, the wider scope of that. But first, got to turn to Liam. Liam, who's your favorite character on Buffy? Oh, uh, what what is her uh, oh witchy boy, friend? What's her witchy friend? Is it Willow? Willow, Willow yes. man. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that, she's, my, <laughs> she's my favorite. Wait, who was Buffy's boyfriend? He was a military guy, and he was super boring, and everybody hated him? That's got to be Riley. That's Riley, boy. Yeah. How about that Riley, Liam? I don't remember him. Riley. Riley. I was going to call you Riley, Liam. Isn't that wacky? Very wacky. Liam, what was your favorite season of Buffy? Um, I think probably season two, which seems random, but uh, I didn't watch the whole series, but I watched it when it was happening. And I think season two was sort of like when I was still stoked on it and things were starting to get a little interesting and whatever. But I, I think I jumped off season four, season five, something like that. Well, the correct answer, Liam, is season three. Pat, what is the correct answer? I'm going to go season two, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, season two. Uh, Gang it up on me. 
Well, well, here's the thing. Season two and three are, is definitely the sweet spot of Buffy. Um, but two has that that dramatic Angelus arc, which I find to be uh, the, the peak Buffy, you know? Peak Buffy. Well, Buffy. <laughs> here we are on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. But we're going to move away from Buffy now because we need to talk about the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. <laughs> It's the Roberts Report for episode number 81 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. Back on August 6th, Liam, you'll find this very interesting. (laughs) Back on August 6th, Eric Roberts tweeted, desserts is stressed backwards. Any thoughts on that, Liam? (laughs) Actually, I didn't finish it. He said desserts is stressed backwards, and then he linked at Pie Bake Shop. Now, uh, what's I, Pie Bake Shop? I believe that is owned by his uh, stepdaughter. Oh, okay. So owned this, and operated. So it's not just his keen and witty insight, but it's also self-promotion. Not, not self. It's more selfless than that because it is for a family member. I actually feel like uh, your suggestion there was somewhat negative, Liam, but there's nothing wrong with promoting a family member. Mm-hmm. 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 We all have to promote Liam. We, it's a hustle. That's what we're doing all day, every day. <laughs> Desserts is you stressed. Hustler, so. I am the king of hustle. Desserts is stressed backwards. Over to you, Pat. Pat, what's your favorite dessert? Oh my God. Uh you know, it's hard to pick right now, but Wendy's has an oh. excellent chocolate chip cookie. It, it's oh, better than goodness. it has any right to be. Uh, you know what? I'm going to – maybe it's different here in Canada, but I'm going to try to investigate that all the same. St- sticking with you for a second, Pat, cake or pie? Oh, man. You know, I- I'd say uh, generally cake, but the best pie is superior to the best cake. That is a, a very smart and well-reasoned answer. Throwing that over to you, Liam. Now, Liam, we know you cannot have sweets because of your diabetes. Uh, uh, sorry? I do anyway. You do anyway. You you. you you got to take care of yourself, Liam. But be that as it may, cake or pie? I think I have to agree with – well, yeah, I think it's – here's the thing is that <laughs> I definitely generally think that uh, that is very true about the best pie is better than the best cake. But you're more likely to get a good – with cake, you're more likely to get a good piece of cake than you are a good piece of pie. So, like, I'm totally on board with that. But – I don't know. I have a real soft spot for carrot cake, which I know oh. a lot of people find really gross. So I'm sorry if that's you. But uh, but I, I have a soft spot for carrot cake. That being said, I also have a very soft spot for key lime pie. So I kind of feel like if key I could lime. just have those two, I could kind of <laughs> give up the rest of them. Would you say pecan or pecan, Liam? Uh, it would Okay. I would nope. say I, I, I would don't say, need much elaboration. Just give me an answer. I would say pecan pie, but I would say pecan for the actual thing. <laughs> that is fucking idiotic. <laughs> it's like how, it's like how I say it's like how I say water for a glass of water. But if you ask me about the frozen tree from Philadelphia, it's water ice. Okay, well, stop being ridiculous. Anyway, pecan pie is delicious. I love it a lot. But if so, oh, you mean pecan pie? Oh boy! All right. <laughs> Uh, and if someone ga- offered me some German chocolate cake, boy, that would be really nice too, right? But then again, if someone offered me a slice of peach pie, I feel like that trumps all, Liam. Peach pie. 
But you can here's the deal. Uh-huh. German chocolate cake. Yes. Most of them are good. You have to really fuck up a German chocolate cake. Oh, I see but where you're going. Peach pie. There's only like two good ones in the fucking world. I've had <laughs> so many bad pieces of peach pie. I've had so many bad pieces of pie in my life that it's hard for me to admit that that the perfect pie is better than a lot of cakes because I've had so many bad pieces of pie. You know what? You actually make a really good point. Back over to you, to Pat, just for a second. What is the best flavor of pie? Oh my god! Um, something that uh, involves no fruit whatsoever. Oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, something, something kind of creamy um, and caramelly, perhaps. Oh my goodness! I do like the way Pat thinks. On August fourth, Eric Roberts tweeted: "Traumas are like lily pads. You jump from one to another as a frog does a lily pad. The trick, <laughs> <laughs> the trick." <laughs> The trick is to view these things having some beauty to them, as do lily pads. And don't fall between. Keep jumping. Some wise words from actor Eric Roberts there, Pat. Pat, how do you interpret what he has to say there? Do you agree that traumas are like lily pads? He, he, he didn't trust that we got the metaphor. He, no. he, <laughs> as a frog does a lily pad. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh... That's amazing. I'm going to follow him. Um, you know, that's for as hilarious as that is, that's a bit dark for my taste as far as life uh, philosophies go. Uh, but, but, but yeah, sure. I guess. <laughs> Liam, Liam, over to you for a moment. Now, the way that I'm interpreting this, it suggests that you should sort of just kind of keep moving forward or jumping to your next, whatever that thing might be. But it seems to bypass the idea of maybe sitting on your lily pad and dealing with the trauma, uh, maybe uh, through therapy or something along those lines. I can't come up with a good metaphor for that. Uh, what, what do you think about uh, what Eric has to say here? Um, it it also kind of assumes that trauma is a necessary part of life. And I'm not entirely sure that that's true. And, and maybe it's just a different interpretation. When I think of trauma, I don't think of trauma as – struggle like i think struggle is inevitable like everyone has to work at something or or face some odds but trauma usually means in my mind some like deep painful thing that you have trouble getting past i'm not convinced that every single human on the planet will inevitably face trauma per se and and if they do I, i don't think that's because it has to be that way i think it's because we're bad people that that might be true some deep thinking there from Liam O'Donnell. We have another episode of Eric Roberts at the movies. <laughs> Just recently, he tweeted, There you go again, at John Krasinski and at Alec Baldwin, smoking a doobie together and being fantastic in It's Complicated. Movie has the wrong ending, but is way worth the watch. Do to you too. And I said that in part because he put the, the number two, the numeral, <laughs> the letter U and the numeral two at the end there. Um, have you seen the movie It's Complicated, Pat? I have not. I have not. <laughs> Nor have I. Liam, how about yourself? You have a wife, so I'm sure. Well, not that I, I didn't mean to discount your own wife, uh, Pat. I believe. Do you podcast with your wife? I do, yes, I do. How is that? Is that fun? Is that enjoyable to podcast with your significant other? Yeah, it is. You know, she's, um, I mean, she and I are always talking anyway, you know? <laughs> I once, uh, this is a, a little behind the scenes uh, uh, talk, but I once tried to record a podcast with my own wife. 
And the topic of it was based on the, the fact that as when she grew up in the late 80s, just like I did, but she didn't really experience a lot of the popular culture of that time. For whatever reason, she, it just bypassed her entirely. So the idea was that I was going to introduce her to a piece of popular culture that she had completely missed, and she would give her thoughts on it before, and then she would give her thoughts after experiencing it. And the things that we experienced in the first episode were Raiders of the Lost Ark, which she had never seen, and the video game The Legend of Zelda, she had never played or really had any experience with whatsoever. So we recorded that episode and realized after recording it that if we continue with the podcast, we would literally kill each other. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> she she hated Raiders of the Lost Ark with like the fury of a thousand suns. She just despised it. And that's difficult. That's a difficult thing to hear. I don't have any, I don't feel precious about Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it is a movie I enjoy very much. But I just realized that this podcast would just be her shitting on things that I loved again and again and again. And we had to bring it to an end. Liam, is it complicated? It's what complicated? I'm guessing that the uh, movie It's Complicated is titled that because of some sort of relationship at its core. But are relationships complicated? Uh, sure. That seems that seems like a true thing, I guess. Yeah, your relationship was complicated because it led to you being late for this episode of <laughs> Eric Roberts' <laughs> The Fucking Man. <laughs> Come on. Have Come you on. seen that? Have you seen this movie, Liam? Uh, it sounds good. Uh, John Krasinski and Alec Baldwin. Boy, two faves right there. No, 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 nope. no. Yeah. Well, it's it's worth the watch because of them. And they smoke a doobie together. What do you think about that, Liam? Big doob. Now, I know you're straight <laughs> edge, so you probably don't feel very comfortable about that idea. I mean, I don't much care about doobie smoking a movie, but I don't particularly enjoy those two people. What, Alec Baldwin? America's <laughs> sweetheart? <laughs> he's He's fine. He's fine. He's okay. He's got a good voice, eh? Yeah, I guess. Filming to begin on 90 Feet from Home, starring Shawn Michaels, Eric Roberts, and Dean Cain. This is from FlickeringMyth.com. It's an article about this upcoming movie called 90 Feet from Home. And if I'm uh, reading this correctly, it is a faith-based movie. And you can probably tell that because it stars WWE wrestler Shawn Michaels, who is a born-again Christian. Uh, and uh, the uh, director also directed the Apocalypse Road movie, which I believe is a faith-based movie as well. Uh, so this is a movie about a Major League Baseball player who returns home to confront his abusive stepfather. And that stepfather is played by Shawn Michaels. Starting with you, Pat. Pat, do you know who Shawn Michaels is? Shawn Michaels, the, the name is pretty familiar. Um, I'm, I, I can't say I know for a fact, but I know, I know him better than I knew Mr. Roberts before this podcast. Shawn Michaels is the heartbreak kid. Performer uh, uh, in the WWF, then later the WWE, retired due to back injuries, and then came back and had a little second run, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, Liam, because, Liam, you recently became a big fan of professional wrestling due to a live event you attended. Uh, I definitely would say that is a complete misrepresentation of the facts. Now, we are talking about Dean Kane, who we featured on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast a few times previously. Uh, Dean Kane, of course, famously... Played Superman, which actually does play into uh, the the topic, the uh, the features on today's show. Uh, since you're a comic book guy, Pat, what did you think of Dean Cain's presentation as Superman? All right, so I'm gonna admit this: I've I've never seen it. I've what? Seen it. Lois yeah, and I, Clark? 
No, in fact, um, I I haven't seen most of the classic superhero movies. I uh, my appreciation for superheroes came after my appreciation uh for more indie comics, and I'm kind of like just just in the past ten years or so, uh, kind of looking back toward the classics, you know. So um, I read uh, more modern, uh, say Batman and Superman stories before looking back at what happened. Uh, yeah. Well, I I do have to say while I have a Certain nostalgia and affinity for Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. I imagine if I was to watch it now, I would find it extremely poor. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly because the focus on that uh, show, not that there's anything wrong with this, but the focus on that show was on the relationship between Lois and Clark, which isn't really what I'm most interested in when it comes to Superman. Liam, what are your thoughts on Superman? I was going to ask this after the break, but but I feel like this is a good time. What do you think about Superman? As a character in general? You're asking me about the whole fucking phenomena of Superman? Well, here's the thing, Liam. Uh, a lot of people I find in the modern world of 2018, and maybe it's because sure. we're all cynics now, I feel like they've taken sort of a sour view of Superman. Maybe because yeah. of his perfection, maybe his lack of weaknesses, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. They find that you can't tell interesting stories. But here's the thing, Liam, and that's this is I, I didn't want to reveal this first. Superman is my favorite comic book character. Uh, We've talked and, about this before. Oh, okay. And the last time you told me this, I made fun of you because I think that's a really dumb thing to say. Well, it is the truth. And I actually have read many, 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 many comic books, uh, including both classic and modern. And I've read many great Superman stories. And I do think he's a character that's very difficult to nail. But I think the combination of uh, Americana, uh, w- the righteousness, uh, uh, and, and a willingness to... Uh, Put himself above all other things, and his and, and sort of confidence in the goodness of American people, even though I'm Canadian, is something that I feel kind of. Um, I feel it's difficult to tell a story within those parameters, but when you tell a great story, it's it's sort of the great story because it feels bigger than just comic books. It feels almost mythic. But Liam, tell me again why I'm an idiot. Because he sucks. All right. Well, this is going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, as in all things, whenever I'm, unlike you, when I'm making fun of you, I'm not being serious, whereas you're always being a jerk. Liam, um, I know that you are seriously diabetic and straight edge and a punk. I, I'm not making fun of these things. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I don't find Superman interesting because uh, I think that the things that I enjoy about superheroes are not Superman. So... Uh, I, I just, I grew up with the Marvel. It seems to me that in, in the Marvel world, one could pitch a superhero and that's, you would pitch two things. What is the superhero's power and what is the superhero's crippling flaw? Mm -hmm. And, and so to me, that's always been interesting. And, uh, from afar, now I don't read a lot of Superman, but from, from afar, it feels like Superman, uh, suffers from, as you sort of said, uh, he's too he's too much. He's he's got too much power, and so then it, a lot of stories I have read about Superman are uh, creative thought experiments for a writer to say, "How do I try to make this interesting? What bullshit can I make up that's going to make this actually compelling?" Um, and a lot of the things that you find endearing, so Americana, bad, all bad, top to bottom. <laughs> Um, righteousness, it's fake. I'm not into it. Don't want to read about it. So I, I just don't find him engaging as a character. And I, and honestly, I, I kind of 
tend to think of him the same way that I think of as like Charles Xavier in that um, narrative doesn't it, it's it's a fun character in a lot of ways, but the stories you can tell with it is is very limited, you know. So like this is something I've always found frustrating as an X Men fan is Charles Xavier is just a, a badly thought through character, and he if used if it was actually written logically would ruin every story. I think that the great modern Superman take has yet to be written or at the very least presented in a uh, visual form that isn't comics in the sense that, you know, I think the year 2018 and the years previous and the years coming up could really benefit from a story about a immigrant who comes to earth and uh, accepts the, the best parts of what being an American or being a citizen of earth means and uh, takes those things to heart and, and, basically imbues a sense of goodness with it. But I understand that in these cynical times, you end up with a Zack Snyder presentation where he's just space Jesus come to free everybody. No, I mean, I, in the comics at, not that long ago, Superman relinquished America and said, I, I no longer support the American way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I actually believe in, in the earth as a whole. That was the first interesting thing they've done with that character since they made the shit up. That's and, not true. You know what, Liam? I'm going like, to interrupt you like, right there. Finally, Liam, I'm finally, just going to stop. Liam? Finally, this is something worth reading. Don't make but me Bill O'Reilly then, you on this show. Before that, it's just some goddamn propaganda. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> mute his mic. American public. I'm not into it. Pat, where do you fall on the Superman versus Superman sucks debate? All right. So um, I do think that there's a lot in what you said about how there has not been an amazing Superman film because uh, the easy take is to say Batman is awesome and Superman sucks because he's this big blue boy scout. But the truth is if we had an amazing trilogy of Superman films and a shitty few Batman movies, the opposite would be happening too because uh, the way that I see it is like, just check out Captain America. He was seen as this kind of, character that couldn't be done in a way that made him a person you know he's just this big idea he's flawless we can't relate to him but now captain america is like kind of the face of marvel even more than iron man and he's this flawed believable human character and i think that if someone were to do that to superman people would be able to uh to see him as a person and to see that he isn't just this uh, character who has been for years flawless. He is, he is a very flawed character who, who does make mistakes, who does, uh, who is uh, vulnerable in ways that aren't uh, just physical. And uh, yeah, I, I think that if that were to be explored in a medium that were a bit more popular than comics, then the, the conversation about him would be very different. Hey, I think Batman sucks too. <laughs> Liam, who doesn't? Liam, actually, I'm going to ask you this. This is a very good question. Liam, who's your favorite superhero? That is actually a pretty good question. That's um, hard to say. I I think currently, like in what I'm reading right now, um, I really like uh, Invincible a lot. Uh, although they just ended the series, um, I just thought that was a fun story to tell historically i was a big storm fan and a big wolverine fan um and those were probably two although uh, 
I also kind of like Silver Surfer. So I'd say those three were were three that I, I found very interesting to read. I don't know if they're my favorite to play in a video game. Like I don't know if they're the toughest or some shit like that. But they were <laughs> they were the three you know what I mean? Like they were the three that I enjoyed reading yeah, about that's fine. the most as opposed to, you know, whatever. Uh but oh god, Bat- Batman. I hate Batman. I've Sounds like read. Liam likes to make mine Marvel. Is that right, Liam? Excelsior. Uh yeah, I've definitely read some interesting like I like Doom Patrol, the weird Doom Patrol, and um, I read Grant, the Grant some, Morrison. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I read some DC stuff, but um, what like I've read some very interesting Batman stories, but at a base level, Batman's just a rich dude who beats up poor people. It's just not that interesting for me. Liam, Liam likes to break things down to their core, uh, black and white elements. Isn't that right, Liam? <laughs> uh, when I when I feel the need to, yes, I do. Liam, do you know where Eric Roberts is right now? Um, I think so because it's in the notes, but I gotta find it. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. This oh, is a surprise. No He's in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, because he, your house. Because this, I'm looking at an announcement right now that legendary actor Eric Roberts will be joining director Gail Harvey, writer Linwood Barkley, and other cast members for the premiere of the movie Never Saw It Coming in Toronto tomorrow night. Isn't that exciting? Eric Roberts in Toronto. I can almost reach out and touch him, Liam. Why don't you? I could, actually, I've been uh, asked by a number of different people that uh, they might have actually helped me attend this premiere. But I thought it would be weird if that guy who interviewed Eric Roberts on stage just showed up. It's like, hey, it's me. And also, you know, I don't want that kind of attention, Liam. I'm not an attention seeker. Did you know that? I think you could go and it wouldn't be weird. I think it's more weird that you wouldn't go. If I went by myself, I think it would be weird. No, that none of that is true. It would be weird. I think actually, Liam, now that I think about it even deeper, it would be weird. No. <laughs> Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2018's Neron, directed by Mitesh Kumar Patel and Sam Sun. The plot is a new mom battles the evil lurking within her as her adulterous husband hides a dark secret that may lead to the human extinction. Not not just human extinction, extinction the human extinction, featuring Eric Roberts as priest, as well as Kate Upton. Not that one. <laughs> Michaela Shannon Jenkins uh, and some other people who you probably haven't heard of. Liam, this movie's called Neron. What do you think? It's called Wait What Again? N e r o n Neron or Neron huh. or Neron. I mean, I think I will maybe watch it. You might have to, Liam. Yeah, exactly. Why is that? Blood oath. We made a blood oath to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Back over to you for a second, Pat. Now, Pat, you like all genres of film, which I find, again, very refreshing. I feel people, they try to pigeonhole themselves. I like this. I hate this. But when you were growing up, it seems like a lot of people, they, they're really focused on nostalgia. Now, when you were a kid, what was your, the movie that you most enjoyed? You know, I, I had phases. Um, when I was uh, a bit younger, it was Lion King, then onto Jurassic Park, uh, sc- Scream for a while. Mm. And And... At what point did you say, that is my past, and now, you know, maybe uh, uh, maybe my favorites kind of rotate a little bit faster. Maybe they don't, uh, you can't really put them into uh, eras anymore. Yeah, yeah d- definitely, yeah. There are standouts now, um, and I do often look back at the movies that I loved as a kid, and I'm like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Liam, do you have an example of that? A movie that you loved as a kid and then you went back as an adult and went, I don't know. Ooh, I mean, I'm sure there are more. Oh, yes. 
the go- the Golden Child. Oh, the Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. Yeah, well, the, you know, even people at the time that came out weren't very high on it. But just like yourself, Liam, I think I watched that on VHS many, many times. I I I think I watched it more on cable. I don't think mm-hmm. I owned it, but yeah, I, I have all these positive memories of it. And I made Suze watch it, and she was like, she even watched it. I think I wasn't even here to like try to make it better and she's like i watched that movie and i don't know it was kind of not good so i rewatched it and was like oh wait no this is not the only joke <laughs> the only joke that still makes me laugh is when they have the spinning prayer thing and he just like says everything while he's spinning the thing it's literally the only moment in the whole film that made me laugh when i was when i was a kid i thought it was the funniest shit ever well i'll tell you the fans of the golden child who knew what you were talking about just then were just rolling but i have not seen that movie probably in 20 years so not helping me out here i do I remember see. that a child turns a, a pepsi can into some sort of stop motion animated thing which i remember th- thinking was the most amazing special effects at the time yeah yeah pat pat do you have an example of uh, of that where you, there was a movie you loved when you were younger and then you went back and it just didn't hold up yeah, I do. Um, do you know the, the uh, film Cruel Intentions? Oh, yes! All right, so as a kid, I thought it was this brilliant, tragic, sexy, dramatic, epic film. It's some bittersweet symphony action going on. Um, <laughs> but, but then I rewatched it by showing it to someone as an adult, and I'm like, wow, none of these characters make any sense at all. So, yeah, yeah, Cruel Intentions, man. I remember I, – I, I'm guessing, Pat, that I'm a little older than you. I remember seeing Cruel Intentions in theater um, and the part at the end – and again, this is – I've only ever seen it that one time. A part at the end where Sarah Michelle Gellar, she uh, has a crucifix around her neck, if I remember correctly, and there's cocaine in it. Yes. And yes. at the very end, like some authority figure comes over and takes her necklace and opens it and the cocaine falls and they just shake their head at her <laughs> in disapproval. I remember sitting in the theater and I thought that was the – funniest fucking thing i had seen in my entire life i was just rolling but i don't know if that was supposed to be funny liam thoughts on cruel intentions quickly uh i've never seen it all right great good thought <laughs> well i'll tell you what liam I'll, i gonna... bought it on dvd three months ago still haven't watched it <laughs> well, get on that and and the sequel for a dollar wasn't there a tv show as well was there a cruel intentions tv show am i making that up you know I'll what make they um I, I, I know this for a stupid reason, but they were going to do one, and it was canceled. Oh. In, yeah. <laughs> There's a pilot that exists. Okay. Yes. So, yes, yes. <laughs> may, I'm looking at a Deadline article from 2016 that says it may be redeveloped. So keep your eyes out for that revised Cruel Intentions TV series. <laughs> Liam, we're going to move on to some material that you actually have seen. Uh, we're going to take our first break. When we return, we're going to talk about three episodes of the cartoon justice league or i should say two episodes of justice league and one episode of justice league unlimited all three featuring voice work by eric roberts as the uh comic book villain mongol we're going to talk about that in detail right after this Superman, and I know what's happening. I am, I am, I am 
While handling an asteroid in space, Superman and the Martian Manhunter John Jones are captured and banished to War World, a planet where combatants are forced to duel to the death. Yeah, we're starting with uh, Season 1, Episode 10, and Season 1, Episode of Le 11 of the original Justice League cartoon. Uh, these are titled War World and War World Part 2. It's a two-part episode, and as that plot summary suggested, it involves uh, the Martian Manhunter, Superman being transported to a planet where Superman is turned into basically a gladiator, uh, where he has to uh, be pitted against um, uh, the champion uh, while a crowd of people watches on, uh, led by the villainous Mongol, voiced by Eric Roberts. And in fact, there's a lot of, of um, notable voices on this episode, not as much, quite, uh, not quite as many as on the uh, later episode that we'll be talking about, but this does feature a character named Draga, voiced by the legendary William Smith. He actually has a terrific voice for this character, which isn't always the case with the uh, celebrity voices on these kind of cartoons. As I mentioned earlier in the show, the kind of DC animated universe, starting with Batman the Animated Series in the early 90s, was something I was a big fan of. Batman Beyond, Justice League, uh, the Superman series, much to Liam's chagrin, which I thought was very good as well. Uh, and even some of the uh, the feature-length work, uh, even lasting to this day, when they made the uh, adaptation of Darwin Cook's The New Frontier a few years back, I thought that was terrific. And of course, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which I still think is one of the very best Batman movies. But Liam, I know that you're not big on DC and superheroes i'm just going to start with you i normally would start with our guest what did you think first about these two episodes war world uh, I, I liked them i they kind of so i don't know I, i'm assuming these are based off of a original like book series plot or did was this made for this show do you now know? this one i'm not sure i would actually guess that these are not adaptations of a comic in this case Huh. It felt very familiar. So maybe it was inspired by other stories that existed. Certainly. Uh, in fact, uh, during the break, I think Pat mentioned even something like World War Hulk, which actually came well after this. But the idea of a character being forced to fight for his death in some sort of gladiatorial combat, it's kind of yeah. – you know, it's, it's an old story. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean there's things I like about the cartoon version of Superman. Uh, we were kind of talking about it a little bit during the break. But I like – They've sort of created that the big thing for him is is trying. He's not just strong. He's smart, too. Uh, and in fact, a lot of his like cleverness kind of comes into play in these shows. And, and I appreciate that. The thing about this episode and, and has been my problem with the Justice League movies and TV show overall is I don't know that anyone and this goes for actually the live action shows, too. Uh, I don't know that anyone knows what to do with Martian Manhunter. Like, here's a character who is telepathic and can control his density and is thousands of years old. And he's usually just, like, getting his ass kicked in various ways. And it kind of bums me out a little bit. Now, in this story, they kind of came up with, you know, a plot point for him not to be whatever. But it, it just reminded me how I've never loved the way he's used. And I don't think that's because the I don't think it's the character itself. I don't think there's anything wrong with Martian Manhunter. I just feel like in the various media in which he's been used, not primarily, but as like part of an ensemble, he's never sort of represented in a way I understand. That, I, th I think that's pretty fair, especially because he is a very powerful 
superhero. I mean, even aside from what you said, he can change his form. He, he actually is supposed to be almost as strong as Superman in the uh, context. But I would recommend, Liam, that you read my very favorite comics run of all time, which is Justice League International, uh, which features uh, Martian Manhunter in sort of a lighter role, and it introduces one of his most endearing characteristics, which is his love of Oreo cookies, Liam. Who, who else is on the team? On that team, it has Guy Gardner as the uh, the most dickish Green Lantern. Yeah, no, uh, fuck that. Blue Beetle, of course, and Booster yeah, Gold. Yeah, no, fuck that. No, it's, fuck it's it. The, all right, I'm just going to pull it over to I Pat. hate all those characters so it's, much. It, it's, it's, it's the best comic book run in history, so maybe you should get on that, Liam. Back over to Pat. You, you, mis, you, you mispronounced Claremont's X-Men. Oh, God damn. Let, let's talk about John Byrne, just for the love, because he's Canadian. I'm sure you're a big fan of him, Liam, because you, you uh, represent his ideology so well. Is that oh is that the Alpha Flight guy? Uh, yes. Anyway, go back over to Pat. You know I'm starting an Alpha Flight podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm Canadian. I know all about Alpha Flight. I'm I'm basically Puck in real life form. Maybe I'll let you be a guest, but we'll yeah. see. All right. Now let's move over to Pat. Pat, you mentioned before that you've had some familiarity with this uh, uh, cartoon series. Uh, yeah. yeah. These two episodes in particular, War World and its sequel. Did you feel that this was representative of the quality of the series? You know, I do. Um, I think uh, I think that the ultimate uh, example of how great these can be is probably the Batman series. Uh, right. I, I think that's the one that, that we all kind of look back to as as the series. Um, but these are fun, you know. These are um, they're they're harmless fun. I think that they uh, capture a side of DC that uh, live action has not really gotten to. And I think mm-hmm. that um, I think that the key to figuring out DC and how it works for a bigger audience is to look back toward these and to look back toward, toward these lighter stories with a bit more uh, whimsy. Oh, absolutely. And also, also the fact that, and this is something Justice League and Justice League Unlimited really takes advantage of, is the depth of their roster. And like even their secondary characters have a lot of kind of endearing qualities and interesting aspects to them. And maybe they couldn't carry a full-length movie by themselves, but they just have so many characters with such a kind of depth of history. And I feel sometimes that when you focus only, and of course I'm saying that in the context of these episodes, which really only focus on two of their kind of big stars. But I mean, you know, even the fact that Hot Girl is kind of one of the uh, the major characters in this episode, it feels like they could pull from all these different areas. And uh, I feel like that's kind of what makes this particular series so interesting. They could tell all these stories. They could bring in the question voiced by Jeffrey Combs, or they could bring in, you know, they could bring in these characters that people might not be as familiar with, but they could create sort of an endearing uh, characterization on the show, the same way that they did with like Mr. Freeze on the Batman animated series, where they turned that from sort of a joke character to one of, you know, Batman's most interesting villains. Oh, definitely. And I think, too, that um, in this series, I see characters like Hawkgirl. She gets more to do in this series than she does even in the comics, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, they, there are characters that um, that uh, kind of got their fame in, say, Batman, like Harley Quinn, who's now the – like, she's one of the biggest characters in comics, sure. period. absolutely. You know? And yeah, I think that the fact that these shows, um, as you said, don't focus just on Batman or Superman, but give the supporting characters actual arcs and roles to do. I think that that um, goes a long way toward making these super interesting because you can follow from episode to episode and feel a world being built. Yeah, absolutely. And even though these, this particular series doesn't rely as heavily on continuity as even Batman the Animated Series did, which which wasn't 
too heavily on continuity because uh, you know shows of that time could be shown in any sort of order. But you know, there you, you could feel a progression on that show where in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, it really felt like they were they could be jumping around on time uh, in time outside of kind of the big events, maybe at the beginning or end of seasons. Which honestly, I like. It is it is a, a kind of show that you could jump into these two episodes and not feel like you're confused or that you need to catch up on a bunch of history, which is another thing that can be difficult in regards to the comics. There's just so much backstory and there's just so much continuity that it can be feel a little overwhelming to a new reader. It's true. Yeah. I feel like um, each episode does stand alone somewhat, but uh, they also, you mentioned before the uh, Lois and Clark show and, and how the focus was a bit too much to you on the personal uh, I, uh, love story there. But here I feel that this is such a good balance between what the characters are going through as people in reaction to the plot and also just the uh, superheroes. You know, it's a nice it, – it's not too action-based, but it's just enough where they feel like real characters that we can care about deeply while also still not getting bored by their story. Now – even the the kind of bare bones aspect of this plot that I mentioned at the beginning of this segment uh, about Superman becoming a gladiator, as Liam alluded to, he has to find a way to not kill while still being a gladiatorial champion. Uh, no no uh, easy task. But uh, the most interesting part of this episode to me is the relationship between Superman and this character named Draga, who is the the current uh, gladiatorial champion and the one that Superman refuses to kill, even though Drago would prefer to be killed on the field of battle. Very interesting. He even does something very hardcore, which is after Superman actually helps him escape from this, uh, this kind of hellish planet or hellish world. He takes what a weapon and, and sears the letter S onto his own chest as a way to show that he wants to get revenge on Superman. Very, uh, very kind of uh, intense for the kind of show. Yeah, which which I love. Liam, over to you. What did you think of of that kind of characterization of Draga? I mean, he's kind of uh, Klingon-ish to a certain extent, but I mean, it's uh, I thought that character, you know, had a little more depth than you would normally see on a uh, uh, a children's cartoon show. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I I kind of I don't know. I it's not something that I'm that appeals to me a lot it's not like a story that i'm super engaged by but i certainly prefer that to just someone who's just like a you know like sometimes in a cartoon when you you could have a character like that who all he is is angry and strong you know and that's you know his his character aspects are just he's yelling and strong and he is that but but yeah the fact that there's a little bit more and there's some like kind of pride there and a little little bit of uh of maybe a, a promise of a future story now i don't know we have Mongol come back. We never see him again in the series, right? Or at least I don't remember. It's been a long time since I watched this, the whole series. But um, oh, oh you've watched that. the the entire series of Justice League? Oh yeah, I watched it when it was on. Just it, I was one of those people who just watched stuff because it was available to me, and so <laughs> I, I, you know, it was on at a time where I had some free time, so I'd watch it. I, I, I don't know if I've seen all of it, like every single episode, but sure. I've watched a lot of it. And I don't remember that character coming back. But, you know, I could have easily missed it. Um, But, you know, I watched – I remember I watched the Batman series all the way through. And I watched the Superman and Batman series that was, like, to both of them all the way through. But I don't know that I watched all of Justice League. I didn't watch all of Young Justice. But uh, is that what it's called? Young The the kid one? Young Justice? Yeah, Young Justice. 
yeah, yeah. I, I'm just looking at at the Draga uh, Wikipedia page. I should mention here, since it does note it, that that this episode or these two episodes are an adaptation of a comic storyline. I guess it's a uh, the Superman in Exile storyline, where it does bring up War World and and Mongol being there. So I mean, it must be a pretty uh, a, a, an approximation of that. It does mention, by the way, that though Draga does not come back in this comic, in this comic, in this cartoon, that he does appear in the uh, Supergirl TV show, Liam. The Supergirl TV show, the like live, the live action. action? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah, totally. All right, yeah, I watch that <laughs> show. I like that oh, show. Is it good? Uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say good. I I find the upbeat of it, uh, upbeatness of it, very endearing. Mm-hmm. But again, they don't know what to do with Martian Manhunter, and they made the mistake of actually including Superman in season two, which makes you think every time there's a world-ending event, where the fuck is Superman? You know what I mean? Like, not that like Supergirl <laughs> needs him, but when it's like this situation is so bad, there's no way she could do it by herself. Unfortunately, there's no other superheroes that could possibly help her. It's like you've already established Superman exists. Why is he not showing up? The cry into the into the skies. It's it's a bird. It's a plane. Where the fuck is Superman? <laughs> like I said, they don't need him every episode, but every season they always culminate in like a literal world-ending event. And he just doesn't show up. He's just busy. Every time he's busy, it doesn't make any sense. Okay. I'm going to actually want to move on to the the final episode that we're going to talk about. It's really the one I was most interested in talking about. And that is Justice League Unlimited Season 1, Episode number 2, an adaptation of Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons for The Man Who Has Everything, which first aired in August 7th, 2004. Uh, the plot of this is Batman and Wonder Woman find Superman immobilized in the Fortress of Solitude by a plant sent by the would-be conqueror Mongol. Now, this is the only other appearance uh, by Mongol. And there is some reference to the War World uh, plot. Uh, it doesn't go into much detail, but there is a suggestion that Superman and Mongol have met before, even though it technically was in a different series, because this is now Justice League Unlimited. Uh, as I said, uh, this is an adaptation of a very famous Alan Moore Superman comic. Um, and it the plot involves this uh, plant that is attached to Superman, which basically gives him a... A dreamlike state where in his mind he uh, he lives out his greatest desire, which in the case of this episode is having a family on Krypton, uh, which in the context of his vision has not uh, been uh, blown up. And then we have Batman and Wonder Woman facing off against Mongol while they're trying to help uh, Superman escape. Uh, in the context of the comic and this as an adaptation, this is what I'm really kind of most interested in getting into, particularly because Pat... You've worked on the idea of kind of adapting characters and presenting new stories of pre-existing characters. You are familiar and actually have written about uh, the, the idea of adapting comics to screen or comics to other kind of forms. What do you think of this as an adaptation? Uh, my, I've heard several times in the past, though, I don't know if it's actually been confirmed, that this is the only adaptation that Alan Moore has ever said was uh, was was quality or that he signed off on to some extent, which considering his harsh words for most of the adaptations of his work uh, is pretty significant. What, what do you think of this as an adaptation? You know, um, as an episode of this series, I like it. Um, comparing it to the comic, the, the comic is just world worlds better. You know, um, mm-hmm. Alan Moore is someone, um, I think that he is, uh, 
I don't feel how he does about um about about my work being adapted. Uh, I think that it's it's very interesting to see work transition to a different medium. But Alan Moore's work, in particular, is uh, so comics specific that it's hard to get the core of what he's done from one uh, medium into another. Absolutely. Yeah, he's uh the way that he works with panels, uh, the, the the way that he paces out the story through his narration and dialogue. It's just it's very uniquely him, and this uh this doesn't capture that, but it also doesn't try to. You know, it it it, it very much boils down the story to what it needs to be, and I think it's a beautiful job as far as that goes. But I would say that anyone who loved this will uh, get something, I'd say probably deeper out of uh, uh, you know, you know from uh, the comic. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very fair to say. I went back and read the comic before watching the adaptation. And and again, it's a very strong adaptation because they only have 20 minutes to work with. Uh, in yes. the context of the episode, they remove Robin as a character. They basically uh, put a lot of his action onto Wonder Woman's character instead. It, it really is streamlined to a massive extent. A lot of the complexity uh, about uh, the relationship between Superman and his father on Krypton has been removed entirely. But, you know, I, the core of it is still there. And... Some of the big moments are still there. The the kind of uh, righteous fury and anger that Superman has after being ripped away from this vision. The yes. the moment where, of course, the uh, the plant gets attached to Batman and he has that uh, his own uh, uh, dream state of seeing his father beat up the uh, Joe Chill, the criminal who murdered his parents, as opposed to what happened in his real life. Uh, as my wife said while watching it by my side, she said, "Boy, he really is stuck in that arrested development state." Well, that's the defining element of his character. That's uh, true. <laughs> uh, over to you, Liam. Now, I don't know if you're as familiar with the um, the. Uh, original material of For the Man Who Has Everything. I imagine you have some familiarity with Alan Moore and his work. What did you think of this as, if not an adaptation, uh, as a work by itself? Um, as a work by itself, I like it. It's it. It's a little frustrating. I, I, I don't know why, but I always find these sorts of stories where a character is in this dream world that they're trying to escape. Something about that kind of resonates with me, and I always find them frustrating Almost because I want them to get out of that place in a real way. So it kind of sucks me in a little bit. And personally, the idea that Batman, like Superman's vision is so complex and depth. And it, mm-hmm. it, 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 there's so much going on with it that I find that so interesting compared to Batman's, which is just my dad beats up the murder guy. And... I don't know that it was intended this way, but I suspect that's a little bit of shade thrown at Batman in my mind. Uh, or, or maybe I just choose to interpret it that way. And that makes me happy. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing I've always been confused by in both episodes is Mongol. I, I just don't understand what's up with Mo- like, he's just tough. He's just so tough. And I, so watching it, and he's beating up Wonder Woman, and then he's doing pretty good against Superman. And I just, you know, I'm just like, man, what's going on with Mongol? He's just, he's just fucking tough. I don't get it. I, I don't know. So that <laughs> isn't that enough. He's just an alien who happens to be very large and tough. No, I. It's not enough for me. Like I, I don't. Again, I just feel like we. What happens a lot with the more powerful characters in any medium is that. Their toughness is just adjusted for whatever works for the story that we're telling. So, like, this is true on the shows and the movies. It's like, right now, Superman has to be able to fight 
this guy who's unbelievably amazing but in the next thing if superman just beats them up too quickly that's not too interesting so we got to stretch it out a little bit it just it doesn't feel like it works itself out in a way and i find that distracting whereas if it's just a guy you know what i mean like i i don't like batman because i i just don't like the way his character is written but the idea of just a guy is more interesting for me in some ways because a guy's just a guy you know what i mean like i don't, I don't i'm not as distracted by those other concerns we haven't really talked about the voice work on this show. Uh, one thing I did notice about Justice League Unlimited compared to the earlier Justice League series is that it looks like the animation is a slightly higher quality. Of course, it's also in widescreen format, but I also think that the actual production values seem a little stronger. Uh, some of the voice work uh, throughout the Justice League series, particularly because they bring in so many celebrity voices, sometimes it can be a little awkward, but this is an episode where I think a lot of them are right on. There's a lot of familiar voices. Uh, Luana, who's the uh, wife of Superman in his vision... Uh, uh, that's uh, voiced by that. She is voiced by Dana Delaney. Mike Farrell from MASH does the voice of Brainiac, the sort of robot on on Krypton. Josh Hutcherson plays the son of uh, uh, of Superman as well as young Bruce Wayne here. Josh Hutcherson, of course, from The Hunger Games and um, and basically that's it. And Christopher McDonald, <laughs> Christopher McDonald, Shooter McGavin himself as Jor El, the father of Superman in this episode. And that's uh, those are the celebrity voices on top of G- George Newbern as Superman, Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, and Kevin Conroy, uh, probably the defining animated voice of Batman. Uh, and and you know I think it, they they all do a pretty strong job outside of Eric Roberts. Starting with you, uh, Pat, were there any standout voices here? Yeah, man, Draga. You know, um, I, I think it was mostly because he was an interesting character and he was portrayed well. Uh, but he had one of those cool um, cool voices that was a traditional kind of like villain cackle. But <laughs> but when he softens up and he realizes that he kind of made a mistake by carving the S into his chest, and the Superman isn't that bad. You know, he kind of had a nice tone of regret there, you know, uh, kind of some depth to, to uh, that voice acting there. And, of course, uh, Draga voiced by the legendary William Smith from Conan the Barbarian, tons of exploitation movies, Red Dawn. Uh, what's the uh, David Cronenberg movie he's in, Liam? The, 19th, oh. uh, the one that about the racing cars? Fast Company from uh, Oh, Fast Co- I've never seen it. You know what? You might think that it's going to be terrible. But it's not. I find it so entertaining, but maybe the aspect of it being Canadian <laughs> helps me through the rougher spots. I, I really love Fast Company, even though it's very off-model for a David Cronenberg movie. But of course, Will, William Smith doing a very gravelly, croaky version of Draga here. Liam, uh, any any voice work jump out uh, for you? Uh, I've actually, even though I don't love the character, I've always loved uh, the guy who does Batman. Who, who I don't know if it's the same dude in all the... It, it sounds very similar. It is. It, it's Kevin Conroy basically for all of the animated properties and even like the the recent video game versions and a lot uh, – even the, the, the animated movies a lot of the times use Kevin Conroy as well unless they're doing something very different like the adaptation of the Dark Knight Returns where they had Peter Weller do the voice of Batman. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. <laughs> yeah. Any elaboration at all on that? Oh, I just I think that it would I, I actually think Batman is tough to do because you're, it's very tempting to do like overly serious. And I think he gets a gravelly voice, but he gets the humor of yes, it. Yes, absolutely. You know, there's there's a willingness to make Batman kind of funny. And I think I appreciate that. Um, and, and there's a little, you know, I want Batman to have a bit of a not a monotone, but sort of a, a, a standard sort of 
sound, but to modulate just enough that it's a real character and not right. just like I'm doing a voice. So I just swear to me. Be- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, Liam. I think that's a very good point. Uh, any final thoughts on this episode, Liam? Before we talk about Eric Roberts, I I don't understand. So the 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 plant, the Black Mercy, does it dig into your body or I, I just yeah find, yeah I, it absolutely digs into your body though I think the idea is when it was in Batman it hadn't really embedded itself that's okay. why Wonder Woman was e- more easily able to pull it off of him sure 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 oh is that, is that all the only question you had <laughs> I was confused I was just confused I was like what exactly is going on with this thing I like I like that aspect of that it's easy it might be easier rather than to try to just defeat Superman to confuse him. Like I, I, I appreciate that aspect of it, and you know I like Eric Roberts's Mongol, which I guess we'll talk about next. But we'll, we'll I, talk just, a- I like his his swagger in that role. <laughs> well, let's talk about it now, Pat. You are not familiar with the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, which is perfectly okay because Liam and I are. We have eighty episodes of a podcast about it for some reason. Uh, Eric Roberts, of course, uh, started his career in. <laughs> sorry, I was going to go through the entire early part of his career uh, from King of the Gypsies to Star Eighty to uh, the Pope of Greenwich Village. Of course, best of the best from uh, the, the action movie from the early nineties. Lots of classic Eric Roberts roles, but one of the things that I don't think he gets enough credit for is his voice. Um, I think sometimes it's actually the thing that people. Uh, especially in recent roles, they kind of mock him for sometimes in reviews, saying that it's kind of slurred, that there's sort of a um, uh, speech impediment aspect to it. But here, the, the confidence that is supposed to carry Mongo along is something that I think his voice envelops very well. Starting with you, Pat, you know, considering that you have no real background on him as an actor, what did you think of Eric Roberts' performance as Mongo? No, you know, I mean, I agree. I, I felt that Mongol was powerful. I did not hear a slur in his voice. You know, I uh, I felt um, I felt that he was the sort of um, on the better side of a more Saturday morning cartoon type villain. You know, sure. he did. He didn't have um, like he he didn't have the over embellished "I will destroy you" type <laughs> thing. Going on, you know, but but he did have. He had a very um. A very believable, tough guy, tough alien voice. You know, I thought he did a great job. It's a, it's a difficult role because, like you said, this isn't the most three-dimensional villain character, uh, as Liam alluded to. He's just a really tough, kind of overwhelmingly evil guy. In fact, that's something that's sort of nailed in when the Black Mercy, <laughs> spoiler alert, ends up on him at the end. In the comic, it goes into a lot more detail that he basically, you know, is sitting on a throne of, of corpses where he rules the world with an iron fist. Here, they they... They uh, are a lot more subtle, which I guess you would need to be for a cartoon show, where they just you can kind of hear the screams in his head uh, and the twitching on his face once the Black Mercy is embedded in him, which in some ways is actually a little more disturbing. Uh, what did you think of that as an as an ending, uh, uh, Pat? You know what? I am. Um, I mean, I am more partial to the comics ending, but. Uh... For this one, I I kind of wondered if kids would interpret that as he's enjoying pain being a uh, pain as the torturer. Oh, interesting. Or, or if for some reason he he is somehow the the plant works differently for him. But as an adult and having obviously gone through the comic first, I know what is actually in his head. Um, but but what made me think was, uh, is this kind of like the ideal ending for him? You know, uh, he. I feel like Superman wouldn't be happy in this kind of fake vision 
but he, Mongo, I feel like if, if he isn't going to get his actual control over an entire planet, I feel like this is kind of like a pretty cool second uh, like plan B for him, you know? It's an interesting perspective. There's a pretty famous episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, which I'm not going to go into any detail on. But basically, a character from the holodeck uh, gains sentience, and the eventual solution is to trap that person in a uh, simulation and, and, and let them live their life out in what is essentially a... Uh, a simulation of the world that they can explore. And that is seen as somewhat of a happy ending or, or somewhat of a, uh, a contented ending for that character, which is interesting because that's presented as, as sort of a positive thing where in this particular episode, a similar type, uh, uh, fate is considered a little bit more negative where you would, would you rather live in an idealized fantasy or, uh, a rougher real world. Uh, it, the funny thing is, again, my wife was sitting next to me and she's like, yeah, stick that Black Mercy on me right now. <laughs> I'll no, take totally, it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I think that many people would take it. And in fact, it kind of reminded me of um, that Black Mirror, um, Stan Jun DePiro. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's this Black Mirror episode where these characters, um, they're given the chance to download their consciousness into this sort of ideal world and many people do and that's instead of going to to the at the uh heaven or hell or whatever you consider it happens after death because uh they don't know what's going to happen you know so i think with mongol i think that he would be a lot more willing to accept a fake reality a fake happiness than a character like superman would right i think that makes total sense liam what did you think of eric roberts vocal work in these three episodes great i think uh I think Mongol is the right combination of like uh, an egotistical sort of like uh, smarmy villain that really lets him kind of do some fun stuff. Uh, now, I think I don't know. I, I would have liked to see him play that character in a f- movie context, especially like some of the more recent movies, though they're not maybe as good as some of the classic DC animation. Sure. They 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 do do a lot more. I I guess basically what I'm trying to say is I like it when he really can chew the scenery and be a real monster. Sure. And so this doesn't he's bad in this, but there's limitations cuz it's a cartoon for kids. Right. So That's like true. seeing true. seeing something a little more intense with him in the char- in the role, I think would be a lot of fun. But for what it is, yeah, I think he's great. I think that you know he knows how to do that voice and really i mean there's a condescension there that i think he really mm-hmm. nails really well absolutely i actually that's, that's a really good point and one of the things that particularly in comparison to the justice league episodes the justice league unlimited it feels like they were able to go a little bit further where he actually like states that basically i'm going to murder you and i'm going to kill you and he uses words like that like murder and kill right uh maybe not those exact but like there's a real strong sense that his plan is to kill everybody (laughs) Uh, and and even like you said his the, the idea that like i pick something that i knew if you won you'd have to give something up to win there is the way he says it is so kind of cruel, you know. Right, like, yeah, it must have felt like tearing off your own arm, which of course is a line right from the comic. But yeah, I think Eric delivers it really. I think it actually makes me a little uh, uh, sad to think that he hasn't done more voiceover work. I mean, he's done a little bit of it, and and certainly uh, you can you can count something like a talking cat or or some of those kind of roles. But he does have a voice that is suited to animation. Uh, it's something that I I'd like to see uh, him explore a little bit more if those opportunities were presented. Yeah, me too. Also, it's really easy to watch a twenty minute cartoon. <laughs> Agree or disagree, Liam? 
Yeah, I mean, we we watched three episodes. It wasn't like we just watched one episode. Well, that only adds up to sixty minutes, Liam. It's not not that much of your time. I, I, do you feel like you wasted your sixty minutes? Is that what you're trying to say? No, um, mm. no. Uh-huh. I just don't. It's not like we only spent twenty minutes, though. All right, all right. <laughs> it uh, is now the point of the show where we uh, we get uh, beyond. <laughs> The beyond, and we talk about the 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 topic of uh, the theme of. Uh, let me start that again. It's the part of the show where we answer the question about whether Eric Roberts is the fucking man in these three episodes of uh, Justice League cartoons, starting with our guest Pat. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man? I'd say he is the fucking man. Yeah, he uh, he gets the jump on DC's most powerful characters multiple times. Uh, mm. He he's a great threat. Um, he has a nice, uh, strong um, alien voice. You know, uh, yeah, he's the fucking man. Strong recommendation for a fucking man in this episode, Liam. Over to you. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man? Yeah, definitely. There's, I mean, he's really strong in this role, and I think he could do a lot more of it. Well, I'm going to agree with the both of you. I actually think that uh, not only do I think I, I would like to see Eric Roberts do more vo- vocal work, even in this kind of superhero field, I think that he's very suited to it. Uh, I like uh, what you mentioned, Liam, about the condescension. I think that that is a really kind of core element of a lot of great supervillains, like a Doctor Doom or whatever. That he, that, you know, that an actor like Eric Roberts could really bring a lot to and uh, and really kind of make it his own. And actually, now that I've said those words, Doctor Doom, I want to see Eric Roberts do the voice of Doctor Doom. But until that day comes, I guess we're going to have to take another break. When we return, we're going to uh, talk to our guests, do a little bit of plugging, and we're going to say goodnight. Take heat, fuck these niggas up. So rolling, not a stop. Why shit don't ever stop? This the flow that got the block hot. Shit got super hot. Ay, give me my respect. Give me my respect. I just took it left like on ambidex. Bitch, I moved through London with the Euro steps. Got a sneaker deal and I ain't break a sweat. Catch me cause I'm gone. Out of them gone. How I go from 6 to 23 like I'm LeBron. Serving up a pack. Serving up a pack. Niggas pulling gimmicks cause they scared of rap. Ay. Funny how they shook. Ay. Got these niggas shook. Pulling back the curtain by myself. And that was episode number 81 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give a massive thank you to our guest today, uh, prolific writer Pat Shand. You can find Pat's work all over the place, but I want Pat to tell us what's the best way to support you, Pat? What's the best way for us to find out what you're working on right now? I'd say um, my Twitter probably. Uh... I'm on Twitter at Pat Shan, just my name. Uh, I'm always promoting there, putting out uh, n- new new books that I'm dealing with, uh, you know, podcasts, vlogs, all that stuff. Um, and uh, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all, all that. And uh, I, I have a Kickstarter going up. That's mm. going to be uh, the fourth of next month. It's called Gangster S Barista. It is about a uh, former gangster, current barista, who is trying to live a life on uh, – on the right side of the law while paying rent 
in New York City. <laughs> Sounds very interesting. I know you've done some crowdfunding like that in the past. Have you found that an effective way to kind of get your uh, more kind of creator-owned work out there? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's um, it's absolutely my favorite mode of creation because it's um, I do love putting creator-owned work out through publishers, but this way does remove the middleman. You know, it removes any possible delays that aren't my fault. It, it removes uh, printer problems, all notes that I, I might get that I don't agree with. It's kind of just me giving something to the fans direct. And that is my favorite, absolute favorite form of creation. And can you tell us, just before we move on to Liam, uh, can you t- tell us what the Space Between podcast is all about? Oh, sure. You know, it's <laughs> that one is... It's a podcast by comics people about anything but comics, pretty much. We, <laughs> we, we mostly talk fast food, man. You know, we uh, like fast food a bit too much for our own good, and we're often debating, uh, say, like, who has the best burger or spicy chicken sandwich. So th- there's a lot of just personal stories, fast food musings, and all that kind of stuff. Well, we'll definitely link that in the show notes uh, today. And yeah, of course, follow Pat on Twitter. We'll link that as well. Liam, Cinepunks, you're always busy. Uh, I can't remember if it's since the last episode, but I do know that you did your uh, Cinepunks episode featuring Science Craze, which I did listen to and I enjoyed very, very much. What's going on with the uh, site lately? That's a good question, actually. Uh, I know that we have uh, a regular column called Rekt, R-E-K. The idea is that each staff person picks uh, a selection of films uh, that they recommend for people to watch. But the um, the films could, might be the idea being is that people might not actually enjoy what they're watching. So uh, <laughs> the next round of Wrecked is actually all movies that I chose, uh, and my theme was my favorite films from X Fest. So oh, it's a bunch of crazy ass shit, uh, and hopefully some of those are going to start rolling in pretty soon. Um, I'm not sure exactly what got chosen, but I think Ninja Busters did, and. Maybe Vice Squad, uh, The Witch Who Came from the Sea. Trying to think what else. I'm not sure, but uh, it's a pretty crazy list. So we'll see what people come up with. Um, Hopefully, a lot of it gets covered. And you know, I think that whole series has been cool um, to sort of see what what matters enough to people that they would recommend and be willing to have other people. You know, it's kind of a a sensitive thing, right? Because what if you recommend it and people are like this? Yeah, absolutely. So. And uh, Liam, you also are uh, are helping to sponsor a upcoming screening of the Thirty Six Chambers Shaolin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been doing these Shaw Brothers joints once a month all summer. This is the last one that we're doing, uh, and we'll have shirts for that. Uh, so we've actually had a few shirts go up. So if if people are into some kung fu shirts. Uh, they've been up on the old Cinepunks uh, web store, so check it out. You can, of course, uh, follow both Cinepunks and Liam on Twitter, Cinepunks at Cinepunks, I should say, while Liam is at Liam Rules, R-U-L-Z. Isn't that right, Liam? Yeah. Yeah. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. If you want to listen to some more Eric Roberts is the fucking man episodes, go over to ericrobertsisthemancom or follow us on Twitter at E-R-I. TFM. You can subscribe via iTunes or leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. You can also check out my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, which focuses on micro-budget and ultra-low-budget cinema. Our recent episode was on Phobe, the Xenophobic Experiments, a ultra-low-budget $250 made-for-television Canadian science fiction movie from the mid-90s, uh, which we had a lot of fun with. You can check that out over at No 
nobudgetpodcast.com or on Twitter at nobudgetpodcast. But with that said, it's time for us to close up the Eric Roberts bag for another week. We will return very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.